Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as she jumps in the middle of a time storm and arrive at episode 507. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. And I'm Glenn. How are you guys? This has been a long week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has. What'd you do I don't this week? I know about week? you guys, but this has been, this been a do? long week. <laughs> What'd you do this week and made it so long? It's uh, uh, been, been a lot of work. Yeah. What he said. Work, work, and more work. Which is a what shame. Did you do? It felt like a short weekend, a long weekend with Veterans Day last week. That's just for you. The rest of us probably yeah. had to work. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I watched uh, Dune. It's. Yeah, what did you think? I it's it's a good movie. It's um, it's a bit too sprawling. Uh, it's beautifully shot. It's terrifically acted. It's got some really great scenes and really some great action, but it is too sprawling there's too much oh wow look at this oh wow look at this oh wow look at this and so there's times throughout it that i found found myself getting bored and getting on my phone but then it would come back to something you know happening or something interesting happening and then i would go oh okay i'm 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 back into it so overall i think it has problems with its scope is probably i think he could have nailed it down a little bit he could have tightened it up and made it a little more concise and still kept to the source material i think it it's probably the best adapted version that i've seen it certainly stays pretty true to the source but then again dune was one of those books that i read and i enjoyed it and was glad that i read it but it also has got a lot of long and boring parts to it so i i guess this kind of <laughs> it's kind of cut from the same same cloth there, but uh, no, it's good. I enjoyed. It. I'm looking forward to the second one. Anyway, that's what I did. What did you guys do this week? I watched Shang Chi. Ooh, you finally got it. Yeah, Disney finally Plus got Day. To see it. Yes, thank you, Disney Plus Day. <laughs> of course, we had to watch Chow Albert, Alberto first. I still I loved that one. It was so cute. I still yeah. haven't seen the uh, the film. Uh, uh, you haven't seen Luca? Luca. I still haven't seen Luca. Uh, you should watch Luca. I should. should it's Luca. the the problem with those kind of films is there are ones that my whole family want to see, so I have to. I'm kind of limited to sitting down and watching them with them, and so I end up having to spend you know my time doing other things. And so unfortunately, we never get around to scheduling all of these thousands of films that I want to see. So eventually, I'll just go on without them. <laughs> Yeah, just pretend you haven't seen it. Right. Uh, but I liked uh, Shang-Chi a lot. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, while it had the trappings of a Marvel film, the the Asian aspect of things, making it feel kind of like a kung fu film and like a, for lack of better comparison, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, gave it enough of a twist that it didn't feel overly familiar. I liked it. I thought it was, it's one I want to definitely rewatch. Um, not in three settings and with little kids being loud and you know how <laughs> right. little kids are. Because <laughs> I think there's some stuff I may have missed as far as the overall plot goes, but eh, I liked it a lot. Good. Sean, did you do I anything? Got, 
I got to sneak out. Well, I did a couple things. Uh, Mel and I did go back and catch the Eternals, and I definitely liked it better on the second go around. Um, partially because I think the third act picks it up and, and kind of ties things in a little bit better uh, for me than where we were at when we bailed on it. Um, and partially because having seen the first half and going back through the first half kind of with the foreknowledge of things to come, I, I was very closely paying attention to certain bits and pieces going, ah, okay, that's where that comes from. And I was, I was just able to piece it together a little bit better, yeah, but I, I did went... enjoy it. I, I still think it's kind of a middle of the road Marvel movie, but uh, no, I enjoyed it much better the second time. Yeah. I, I went again and of course I really liked it the first time too, but I, I went back and I thought, you know, this is one of those second viewing appreciate a film a little bit even more because I'm with you. The connectivity is a little better, especially on second viewing because you kind of go, okay, I know why this works together now. Whereas before it seems a little random, but once you're familiar with the story, everything seems to kind of work the second time. So a film shouldn't rely on that. I will be the first to admit. Um, but I still think it was, it was an enjoyable film and, and yeah, I picked yeah. up, I picked up on a lot more the second time even. Again, it's it shouldn't have to rely on it, but it can deepen the appreciation of it. Yeah, sure. And then I got to uh, sneak out and see uh, the French Dispatch, the new uh, Wes Anderson film, which was uh, fun. I don't think I liked. Uh, I didn't like it as well as I enjoyed uh, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, but it's definitely up there uh, in the the quality level if you're a Wes Anderson fan. And Glenn, the paper is in your hometown. No, I was I was reading about it after we talked about it last week. Uh, it's Liberty, Liberty, Kansas, not liberal. Oh, is it Liberty? Yeah. I had it wrong. Liberty, oh. Kansas. Yeah, I got I got intrigued, and when you'd said that last week, and I was like, oh, I'll go check this out. And when I was got the digging around, it was like they use Liberty, Kansas. I'm not even sure there really is a Liberty, Kansas. I don't think there is. I think it's a, I think it was a made up. Well, it's a made-up paper, so <laughs> more there terrible. is a Liberty, Kansas, oh, in Montgomery County. Montgomery County. Well, welcome to all of our listeners from Liberty, Kansas. The real one. A population of 123. Oh wow! As of the 2010 census. <laughs> well, they may have grown when the 2020 numbers come in. Well, they've got That's a whole true. paper now. So. <laughs> is there and anything then, else? Uh, yeah, Mel and I uh, went and saw the monkeys in concert oh yeah how was that oh nice it was good it was my first time uh this particular iteration of course we've lost two of the four members so it was just mickey and mike and it was my first time ever seeing mike nesmith on stage because nez does not like to tour and you know when your mom invented liquid paper i guess you don't have to <laughs> when you were one of the co-inventors of mtv i guess you don't have to <laughs> But uh, no, it was good. Uh, Mickey still sounds incredible. He still sounds exactly like he does. Mike sounds good, but he he appeared very frail, and I, I had to kind of keep reminding myself. Well, he is seventy something, so yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they did some deep cuts and uh, a, a lot of tracks that you don't normally hear at a uh, a monkey's concert, simply because Nesmith was there. So that was kind of cool. Their farewell tour, and I guess this was the uh, they did Kansas City, and then Salina was the penultimate stop on the tour. And then they're doing one more in LA and it's all 
Well, and then I think there's a cruise or something with the Beach Boys, but that's it. That's the the wow. end of the touring monkeys. So I feel very fortunate to have gotten to go. Yeah. Well, anything else? Well, if you've been following along, you should know by now that we are giving away a copy of the game Flux, which is a wonderful card game, which uh, you probably saw us play. Uh, on uh, one of the episodes of Traveling the Vortex, and it was uh, we have an extra copy of the game that was gifted to us by our friends over at Looney Labs, who are the creators and developers of it. And all you have to do to become entered to win this copy of this game is to uh, get onto our uh, uh, email, and Glenn will tell you what that is because I can't remember anything, uh, and uh, send us the word planet. P-L-A-N-E-T, Planet. And that'll get you entered to win. And if you've entered before, well, you can enter again. And each entry is, or each word is good for an entry to uh, to win. And we'll draw a name out of the hat and send it off at the end of the season. Yeah, so be sure to send those entries to feedback at travelingthevortex.com so that uh, Keith can round those up and uh, tally the votes. <laughs> We'd like to take a moment to mention that we are now part of the Direction Point Podcast Network. It's a network specifically for Doctor Who podcasts like ours. Other podcasts on the network include the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, the Doctor Who Target Book Club Podcast, Police Box in a Junkyard Podcast, and Time Streams. You can find us all at directionpoint.org. Be sure to check it out. Well, let's move on to our review. Time is beginning to run wild. On a planet that shouldn't exist in the aftermath of Apocalypse, the Doctor Dan and Yaz and Vinder face a battle to survive. On my command. Time is beginning to run wild. This one I think is a little bit more of a difficult one to review. Because it is very much not a standalone. It is kind of the linchpin, it feels like, of what has led up to this moment and what's going to come out of this moment. So overall, I thought the episode was good. um, But I don't know that I was overly blown away just because there was so much plot. It's kind of like the Eternals. I think I need to see it again. (laughs) Well, and there was a lot of plot... And not a lot of plot at the same time. Like we get some a little bit of backstory on Dan, but not a lot. We get a lot of backstory on Vinder. And we get kind of the the swarm backstory. And Yaz unfortunately is left to eat chips in a police car. <laughs> <laughs> and play video games with her sister. And play video games with her sister. Yeah. I mean, obviously Yaz's stuff was setting up the angel which sets up next week's episode. So it's, she is there to further the overarchings of the, of the kind of through lines of the season, but not the, the subplots of the season, I guess more accurately. Yeah. So it, it, sometimes it felt like there was a lot of plot and things were moving forward. And other times it felt like it was kind of treading water a little bit. I, I, I don't know if I would say treading water, but I think that it certainly is spinning all the plates at once. 
and you know trying to keep a lot of things from crashing down too early uh, of course we're halfway through the series now um but i think there's a lot of you know a lot of spinning plates going in this one um i was very great grateful that at least we got to see how a cliffhanger was resolved but <laughs> it was the whole episode <laughs> the but whole episode resolved the cliffhanger <laughs> Well, I don't, I, yes, but I, I don't like, I don't like how wonky it felt. I, and I, I'm not even sure how I'm, I'm not even sure how I felt about it. I thought that the concept of it was clever. I like the idea of trapping them in their own time streams in order to work it out with the Mori so that, that she could get the replacements so that Yaz and, Vendor can be freed. So I like the concept of that. And I think on the surface it was good. And I I do not want to criticize special effects whatsoever. But I think the dangling there, kicking their legs could have looked a less wireworky had they shot it a little <laughs> differently and maybe lit them better. I think the lighting was poor on them so that it made the CGI sort of stick out a bit in my mind. Um but again, I, I liked the concept. I liked the idea of of bouncing into these different timelines and the doctor trying to make contact and let each of them know what was going on. That she was trying to uh, to rescue them, to do you know, uh, to do something. And uh, yeah, Yaz, I just I really felt like she got the short end again this week. Uh, I really hope that she gets more focus in one of the last or all of the last three episodes. I just really don't feel like they're doing anything with her. Um, Dan, I think, is getting some good development. I think we got even in this one without having a lot of Dan presence uh, as himself. Um, we got sort of the look at that the the type of relationship that he's got with the, the girl that uh, uh well has ended up trapped in, in passenger and i think that i really really liked the doctor's storyline because i think mm-hmm. we're to presume that this is happening back in the dark times before her memory loss and obviously it's the fugitive doctor because i really like the fact that they brought ruth back and we we got the the images of her when she would look in the mirror and she would see her um i think one of the things that did kind of trouble me a little bit is how old is carvinista or cavanista if if that really is him working with her in the division i mean she is the doctors are at least you know thousands of years old how how old could this guy be if he was uh, back in the dark times, right? Yeah. So I just I think dogs that's would have a shorter lifespan. I also thought it was a bit random. Was what was the girl's name uh, that that we kept uh, cutting to? Was that Bell? Was that her name? Yeah, Bell. Okay, so I kept thinking. Okay, well, first of all, first of all, we've got this little thread of a story going, and I was quite of sort of enjoying it. And then I go, oh look, and she's talking about now she's in the Dalek sector. And I went, oh, look, Daleks, that's pretty cool. And, you know, they're hovering back there. And I thought, that doesn't look too bad. And I, I said, well, something's wrong. And so I had to back up and look at it again. And it's not their head that's swiveling. It's their whole neck part that's swiveling back and forth. And I thought, how could you get that wrong? That looks so wrong. And that's so that, that bugged the heck out of me. And so I was a little irked by that. But 
Um, I like the fact that uh, then she, you know, we, she ends up in the Cyberman sector and yeah. she gets the information out of the dying Cyberman, which I think I had to stretch a little bit of belief that he would be, you know, offering up that much information. But I think that was kind of the best way to, to deliver the information that she needed. And I also, I thought, well, of course, the who, you know, when the universe is uh, compromised, who are going to be the factions that are going to come to the forefront? It's going to be the Daleks. It's going to be the Cybermen. It's going to be the Centaurans. And so it made a lot of sense that they've they've kind of sectored off different areas, and it sort of made the Santaran story even a little more bulky because that clearly the Earth sector or area was where the Santarans were taken advantage of. So I thought that was kind of mm-hmm. clever that there are these different sectors that are being set up as a result of the flux. Um, so I really kind of liked her story, and then the the sort of reveal that. Vendor is either a husband or at least a significant other, and she's pregnant with the baby, with a baby. And then I kind of thought, oh, wait a minute. Are we implying that maybe perhaps one of the revelations we're going to have down the line is these are the parents of the timeless child? Hmm. I hadn't and thought that. But. So <laughs> I'm wondering if that is, I'm, I'm not sure. They don't, they didn't make it too obvious, but I'm not sure if maybe this isn't going to end up being the doctor's parents in a way. Hmm. Because That'd I can't be think of any that. other reason to have, and, and Vendor's backstory and quest was really unique and unusual. And I kind of felt like they explained why he ended up where he ended up. I don't think it really... I kind of wanted to know more about what the consequence was uh, for filing this report. I think that that I felt a little... I felt like I wanted a little more of that story. I wanted to find out a little bit more what what the, the, you know, who this guy was that he's he's working for. Um, Just a little bit more of that, which maybe that'll be, you know, revisited a little bit uh, later down the road, but uh, but, yeah, uh, but overall, I, I definitely need. We definitely needed a little bit more world building to understand why this dragon guy was so important and why he was in charge of everything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's that. I think was the piece that was missing. So, and I just took. I, I I didn't read that much into the the Bell pregnancy. In fact, I couldn't quite tell when she when she was talking about it if because it's implied that he had spent uh, been a very long time away from her. Like it was almost like she w- when was did going she to get have his pregnant. Yeah. It was like, a am going to have your baby someday sort of thing was how I interpreted it. And I think that idea, it, I also assumed was just to give it even more of an emotional heft of you wanting to see these two people brought to back together to give an emotional grounding for Vendor to give you a reason to care what happens to him. Um, so but I like the, I like the Bell storyline. You don't think that little, uh, uh, oh, pet <laughs> thinks she was carrying along. I kind of felt like was a sort of a quasi baby monitor kind of thing that she could somewhat, get emotional responses through it from the baby that she's carrying. Cause I got the impression somewhere that she was actually pregnant, not that she wanted to have his kid. 
And if this is a timeless child thing, maybe the gestation period of their that, species is, you know, 10, 15 years. Who knows? Well, not that long, but several years anyway. Yeah, I think it's something that we won't know until further down the line for yeah, sure. I think you're right. But I really like the exploration that because, you know, what we've seen so far, the flux has been kind of abstract and yeah, it's destroying things maybe. And this is a nice firm, this hasn't been undone sort of thing. Cause you can almost the way we've, we've redirected what we've been doing, dealing with the Santarans last week and the other storylines of what the doctor's doing, you kind of forget that, Oh, this flux came through and destroyed half the universe or however much of the universe. So it's nice to explore the aftermath of that um, and seeing her kind of trying to survive and get through everything that's been left behind. I thought that was a really nice, a nice way to make the flux. Re- it made me realize, Oh, this actually happened, Yeah, which yeah. was good because it, otherwise I just would have just ignored. They talk about the flux and it's, comes across as something you can maybe avoid whereas it's clear that this now is it's happened it's done there's no going back from it at least at the time frame that her story is set in right right may not be running concurrently with the events of the rest of the the run correct that's true um yeah i i have to agree with keith when when she said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have your child. My first thought was, okay, she's pregnant. And like Glenn, I assumed that the Tamagotchi thing was some way of interfacing with the baby. But then I immediately thought, well, when did he leave? Cause it seems like he's been gone or she's been searching for him a long time. Now, yeah, obviously, you know, aliens, we don't know what the gestation period is, but it, it, that, that part didn't jive for me. It was because all of a sudden it was, cause I was really enjoying her story. Um, and like Glenn, I would have loved more. Um, cause it, it's, it's, I think it's fairly obvious that he got sentenced to this, um, uh, you know, outpost as a punishment for whatever the fallout of his report was that he was, he was being banished. But uh, it, it seemed like he had been gone for a while, that this wasn't a brand new posting. Um, but that kind of suddenly didn't jive for me. If this is in fact meant to be or going to be the doctor's parents, eh, I don't know. A- admittedly, I was not the biggest fan of the Timeless Child story arc to begin with. And so while I like the fact that they brought Ruth back and I like the fact that we kind of date stamped Ruth as part of the dark times that also brought up a bunch of different connotations of things. That's like, well, but now this doesn't seem to work. And how does that going to play in with this? And are you retconning everything or I, I, I don't know. I'm still on the fence with that whole that whole thing. I thought it was clever how they did it, but I don't know that I like that they did it. <laughs> but I, again, have to reserve judgment until we get to the end of the thing to find out whether or not it's actually going to work for me. I, I do want to point out that whoever put uh, Bill's entry on TARDIS Wiki says she's pregnant with it, with his child. So, Oh, really? 
Yeah. Or says she was pregnant with his child. Well, they do everything in past tense. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the TARDIS wiki, whoever made that entry, thought the same thing. Got that from somewhere, too. So. Hmm. Um, I think uh, Anne being the emotional baggage, or emotional baggage, emotional leverage for uh, Dan in this story uh, gives him some more personal motivation, which I think works really well mm-hmm. from that concept. And then we've got this mystery, mystery woman that uh, shows up in the, the uh, Doctor's timeline, uh, basically telling her that the Flex is man-made and that uh, uh, it's destroying the universe because of the Doctor. And that's all we get to learn about it. <laughs> Well, and what's interesting is they've also set up this idea of time versus space in battle with each other. Mm, yeah. uh, and that the flux is a space issue, not a time issue. So yeah. separating those two in Doctor Who, it's always been one and the same. So the fact that they're separating these two for the story is kind of puts me on my back foot a little bit. And I'm not sure how to take it and how they're going to move forward with it. I sort of think that that's a red herring. I think that that's to put us on our back foot, make us think that they are distinctly separate. I think that eventually, especially if Bell and Vendor are the timeless doc, the timeless child's parents, then clearly they are back in the uh, dark times. But we know for a fact that the Doctor and Dan and and um, uh, Yaz, I've already forgotten her name because they aren't using her enough. Yaz <laughs> is, uh, uh, you know, obviously in in our time. So I'm wondering if if they go that route, if the Chibnall's going to fold it back together and say, "Oh no, I duped you. We really, this really is happening concurrent with time and not just space." So I don't know. We'll yeah, see. Maybe. I mean, that's one way to kind of distract us from maybe sussing that out too soon. Well, was it just me or did it, when, when that reveal came that, oh, the flex is man-made, my, my kind of immediate response was, well, duh. <laughs> I mean, I just, at, at no point did I feel like this was a natural event. You know, this was unleashed by somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know that that was, if, if it was meant to be a big reveal, I, I don't know that, that I bought into it and was, you know was duped by the the setup because i just this did not in any way shape or form feel like a natural event it felt like something that was targeted you know maybe that's thanos but i i don't know <laughs> just, i no i i i think I, I i think i sort of agree with what you're saying and but from my perspective when she says it's man-made it's like to me that was something that was manfa- manufactured by someone yeah i assumed that it was either an omnipotent presence and someone unleashed it was kind of my thought was that it is natural but it's been in captivity or it's been in in uh hibernation or it's been sleeping and somebody unleashed it on the universe is what kind of where i was going so to me it was a bit of a surprise when she said it was man-made because then that makes me think okay whatever this is the events aren't being aren't man-made it's the actual flux that's man-made so to me it did come across as a surprise a little bit of a surprise but i can see where you're coming from because on the flip side i sort of felt like the the, the cause of it was man-made I, I guess the the reveal part of it the surprise if you will would be that it it, it it's probably not swarm that's behind flux well i've said that all along <laughs> but yet 
Sean and I still thought it was. And we still <laughs> thought it was. And, the effects and, are know, similar. The effects are similar. And the uh, you know, not only the, uh, well, the visual effects, but the after effects that so you disintegrate away to nothing. Okay. Yeah. Um, we've, but, also seen, we've also seen these little blue thing, this blue cloud fairy well, things that are doing basically the same thing. And we yeah, don't know that's what this new to is this episode. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't know what that is either. But it does essentially the same thing that the Flux and Swarm have both been doing. And so it, I suppose it's possible that if space and time really are separate things that their own do, you know, they're doing their own thing. Swarm it seems like he would be because he's on time dealing with time that he's the time element of it. And maybe these little blue things are the space element of it. Maybe because one is running ramp, but the other one has to in order to, you know, keep things in balance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Speculating. It's interesting. <laughs> I think it, it, I think it, uh, uh opened up more questions but sort of maybe i don't know that it it answered anything but i think it it furthered its story and i think it opened up a lot more questions and possibilities for the next three episodes well i think it answered quite a bit as far as swarm goes and the backstory and the history with the doctor i mean obviously the division sent the doctor in to rein him in and put something in place to get control of time and from my memory of the dark times it seemed like their time wasn't harnessed yet and putting these what are they the the mutants um (laughs) I, i see the robes and i think beneath planet of the apes um what are they called glenn the minori yeah the minori Putting them on the pedestals to help control time almost seems like it helps harness it too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly. So we do we do get a lot of information about Swarm and kind of where everything has led up to his imprisonment and why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, I would agree that, and and I would agree with that, and I think that uh, Sean bringing up the the idea that maybe Swarm is the embodiment of time or incongruent uh, to time sort of made me think this week and watch very carefully uh, where they were going with that story. And I still don't think that, that you're far off with that, Sean. I still think you're onto something there that's going to be further revealed, uh, maybe explained a little further down the road. One can hope. I kind of agree with Keith. For as much plot as it was in this, it still felt like it was treading water a little bit. But again, it's the middle literally the you know almost middle part of the thing the middle chapter so it felt like it was treading water also because you know we'd get we dig into the doctor's storyline of what's going on and where is she in the history in the backstory and then we'd cut away to yes playing video games and it's like oh Come on, I want more of <laughs> unpacking of what's going on. As I love Yaz. I think she's great, but you're not doing anything with her. Let's, if you're going to go to Yaz, let's do something. Well, at least they used Yaz as a vehicle to bring the angels on board, literally, um, the story so that they can advance to next week. So it did have it, they did use her for some connective tissue. It's just unfortunately that's all she was this week. Um, yeah. and I, but I, I absolutely love the last line the doctor says when she says the angel has the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
such a neat callback. Uh, and next week is the only episode that's co-written, right? I believe that's correct. Yeah. So I have a feeling we're not going to get a whole lot of the overarching story. Yeah. And we Especially have... since it feels like we have kind of a, a comma at the end of Swarm's part yeah. where it's it's not resolved, but it's kind of, okay, we gave you the back history. Now we're going to set him aside and we'll deal with him later. Right. Well, I think that's all that was, was kind of, okay, we're going to catch up on a little bit of his backstory and then we're going to conclude the story that we're, we're, you know, telling here now in the, in the present time. This planet of time and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How do, um, how do you feel about the, um, anything that holds the image of an angel becomes an angel being used, um, here? I'm glad it wasn't just a one-off thing. I mean, if it's going to be part of the canon, I think it needs to be revisited, you know. Now, that then takes you back to the original story of uh, if that works. I've never been a fan of that myself. I always thought that was a contrivancy in order to make that episode work for Stephen Moffat. But I'm with Keith. I'm If you're going to introduce that into the mythos, then I think that it's nice to see it reused. And I think if they, I think doing it the way they did made sense. It was the only way that I think you could get an angel onto the TARDIS. And so I don't like that part of the lore, but I think it's okay that they used it. It seemed like it was well done. I think I don't know. It was, it was another thing that I was kind of conflicted on. Cause I remember that none of us liked that element when when it came out but i also remember thinking with this that it's like well it, it, it's not a new way of using it but it's it feels like a correct way of using well, it, it that was, makes sense. i think it was it was better constructed than it was in uh time of the, what, what's yeah. the story uh flesh and stone flesh and stone yes maybe that's the word i'm looking for yeah and i think <laughs> Had they done it more like this in Flesh and Stone, it would have worked better. But then the idea of it's that was taking over Amy and, you know, because there was an image of it in her mind, that meant it was still there. That that part was, for me, was where it stretched a little too far. The, the actual physical pictures and digital pictures, I think the idea of those things become angels, I think is a cool, creepy way to, to reinvent the angels and add a new element to them as opposed to the, the mental image. Was it a mental yeah, image? Yeah, the self-actualization is a little much. Was it a mental yeah, image? Because, yeah, because she looked at it too long. Right. But and I thought it remember, was... Okay, go ahead. But then, yeah, and, and then she, when it started like manifesting through her, right. she was nowhere near a TV or anything. They were no, trying no, to no. get through the ship. Still. Yeah, no, no. I, I, it was certainly on board with her, but I never got the impression that it was like a mental image. I got the impression that it was because they specifically show the reflection in her eye is that it was that image that had basically climbed on board. But then that would also mean if you look at any image of the angel, it would climb on board you. Well, I think they, the the I think the point. We're climbing on board think, of the person is I what think, I have issue with. I think I the length of I think the length of time, though. I think you're right because the doctor explicitly says you looked at it too long, but I didn't. I, I, I didn't get it. I mean, we're we're arguing pedantics here, but I did. <laughs> I did. I didn't get it that it was because to me, 
if it's an image in your mind, just looking at it for a second, that image is in my mind. I could I could clearly picture Angel in my mind right now. So has it taken me over? I think with the looking at it so long long enough that it imprinted an image on the iris of your eye makes it more tangible to me. And so that's what that's the way I always understood it. But I could be wrong. It could be a mental image. And if it is, then to me that that makes that fall entirely apart in that story for me because again anybody that saw an angel will remember what that angel looked like and have a good memory of it so well yeah and still it wouldn't it take a lot longer than what it was to be physically imprinted on the eye well i don't know you're right because it was it's just a reflection when they showed it but i mean it's it, not it like... just kind of goes back to that mechanic is broken yeah. because you're telling me keep your eyes on it and don't blink and now you're telling me don't, don't look, look at, at it, it too long <laughs> yeah like yeah. don't look at it at all because if you even catch a glimpse of it it'll be imprinted on you that well right. which is it right. yeah. Yeah. and that's, and the idea that you know it could be on a screen and if you blink it could then come through the screen because what is in the screen is the screen you know that right. idea is fine it's the sure, sure. Be, ta- becoming a human host is the things i think we obviously all have issues with yes, yes. so the fact okay, that, didn't that, that, that aspect of it, it. <laughs> yeah yeah I, that's I, why I, this, I think it was used better this time because it was an actual image of uh, an physical angel. <laughs> or di- digital image of the angel versus a perception image of the angel Agreed. Yeah. And now, yes. uh, pardon me while I delete the, the lonely assassins from my phone. <laughs> <laughs> now that that's back. <laughs> Glenn, that, you haven't that, looked at them, have you? Lonely Assa- yeah, lots of times in that game. The lonely assassins was, was one of the best usage of the angels, in my opinion. Really? You guys still haven't played yet, have you? Uh-uh. Oh my no. gosh, you should play. It's so much fun. Well, any final thoughts on this story before we close the show? All right. Um, well, Sean, what do we got? I think I'm up? still coming down off the high of the Sontarans. I just <laughs> that, that's going to be a tough episode to beat. <laughs> All right. Well, what do we got coming up on the schedule? We actually have names for everything here on out. Did you realize that? Uh, yeah, I think I did see that actually. Well, coming up next, uh, of course, more Doctor Who. Uh, next, or this week, I guess now, uh, the episode is Village of the Angels. So we have more uh, more of the creepy to look forward to or shy away from or hide from, depending on uh, where you fall on your uh, love of those things. Uh, they did announce the uh, title of episode five, which will be Survivors of the Flux, which means it's Flux, Survivors of the Flux which is a little weird when you put it in context. <laughs> <laughs> but oh well. Uh and then uh what was the what's the the, ban- the vanquishers, vanquishers yeah. is the last episode which is uh not ominous in the least. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Something you said made me curious, Sean, is Monday the beginning of the week for you or is Sunday the beginning of the week for you? Um Monday. Monday? Yeah. I find that's the case with a lot of people. Sunday's always the beginning of the week to me, but I think it's because I'm a visual person, and the calendar starts with Sunday as the beginning of the week. So I just thought that was interesting that you said that. I don't like breaking up the weekend. (laughs) 
It's still a weekend. It's just on both ends of the week. <laughs> well, but no, now now it's a week beginning. So. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's misnamed on, otherwise. It's on, it's on one end of the week though. <laughs> There's two ends of a line. There's not a, a beginning of a line and an end of a line. Well, you'd be at the front of the line. It's two book ends. Front of the week. That that I could. I think that's better than beginning. Front of the week. What do you right. What are you book doing ends. this week front? When I've got <laughs> when I've got books on my shelves, I've got a book in on each end. So good point, Keith. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just curious. We, I had we, him on the ropes, Keith. What are you doing? <laughs> we, we talked about that with my family just recently, and we brought that up. And I had mentioned that well, this Sunday's the first day of the week, and my family was like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "It is because it's like that on the calendar." I said, "I'm I'm, I'm most people." agree that monday is the first day of the week but i said i think that i always i've always thought of sunday is the first day so i always just think of it as work week and then weekend i don't know <laughs> in full week terms right okay all right well be sure to check out our website travelingvortex.com for updates on the podcast if you get any value out of this podcast why not put some value back into it you can do that by uh, clicking on that patron link and consider supporting us. And I will say that I was busy tonight putting together some uh, behind-the-wall content that will be exclusive to uh, patron uh, subscribers. So Ooh. stay tuned for that. Also be sure to give us a five-star review or consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. And make sure you join in the conversations uh, on our listeners' uh, forum on Facebook where you can engage with other listeners and share your thoughts and insights with them. If that's it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who podcast network.